and we say hi to you here with episode 45 wow 45 here of the Cherokee Rewind thanks for hanging out with us here is I am Mick you know that and of course my guest this time around a guy who played on the national championship team back in 1998 uh, went on to play college hockey at UConn up in Connecticut and currently right now is uh, living in Beantown. So we got to talk about that. And of course, uh, this guy, I've known his family, uh, just uh, basically I've considered them family. They have been just some of the most wonderful people. Uh, his brother, his mom, his dearly departed father, uh, his sister, all good people. Uh, just uh, got to say hi to John Jepson. And John, I always play this little game in my head where I don't use the internet I, uh, I when I try to figure out what your jersey number was. And, man, this one's tough. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was number – oh, man, you were a defenseman. So I'm going to say number – I'm going to say number four. No, that, was, that wasn't you. That was Rob Kurt. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, let's see. If I remember correctly, Reniger, or not Reniger, uh, Satlos was two, uh, Williamson three, four. So you would have had to have been, I'm going to say, five? Way off. How about? Uh, Jensen, I think. I was, um, I was 24. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Wow. 24. And it's... Uh, funny story on that by the way thank you for the very nice introduction mm-hmm. uh so i um growing up i was always number 14 uh-huh. and that was my number that's what i wanted well when i actually made the charity the 14 was brad coon of course and i'm 16 years old he's 20 <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting that number yeah i guess so, not but, hey, I, I was 24 ever since, so um, all through the rest of my junior career, I was 24, and then college as well. Wow, okay. So it was kind of a good luck thing then, uh, changing over to 24 then. Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about how you got started, because obviously you and, and your little brother Jeff, uh, you guys got started early. Uh, of course, you guys were local guys, so you were from, uh, you know, you're from the Glass City. So talk about uh, how you guys got started. And I would have to think it'd have a whole lot to do with uh, your pop. Oh, yeah. Because my father, first time I stepped on the ice, uh, my father dragged my brother and I to the middle of the old Lander Pond. Oh, and yeah. he, he dragged us both to the middle of the ice and says, well, you want to get back, you got to skate. See you later. Wow. <laughs> Stood there and cried, I think, for probably about 20 minutes and then decided to skate a little bit. And then it went and uh both uh my brother and i grew up playing savannah maple leafs and then team toledo and on my youth career i never put on another jersey besides toledo um i never went the detroit route um always played for uh, jeff Heyer in toledo and tom jackson uh, it was great did you play for uh was it team ohio or team or was it team toledo that team you, toledo yeah okay team Toledo. because i remember seeing you guys in uh at Tamil Shanner playing Team Illinois, and and I, I I was trying to remember if that was either Team Ohio or Team Toledo, but yeah, Team Toledo. Uh, my goodness, you guys, uh, that had to have been quite. Now you know I talk about little brother Jeff. Jeff uh, 
did you guys ever when you were younger did you guys ever play together on the same team no we were two years apart mm -hmm. and so uh, we ended up playing for the same coaches like um when my first year uh, in Savannah Maple Leafs he was still a, a mite and then I went up and played for team Toledo and then my brother played up a year for that team I just left um but no never played my father coached me my first year and then I think uh, I'd be crying after every game and my mother stepped in and was like okay you're not because I was a defenseman my dad was a defense coach uh. my mother stepped in and was like Ned you're coaching Jeff I'm taking time <laughs> so uh, that was that. <laughs> oh, yep. When 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 the boss lays the lays it lays it down like that, yeah, you you have to do what's told. Uh, oh, yeah. So I understand that all too well. Anyhow, uh, so John, um, you played, you know, growing up through it like that. What was uh, the experience like? I mean, did you figure it out early that you were going to be playing? Uh, that you had a desire to play travel as opposed to uh, just doing house or anything like that. What, what spark, what put that spark in you? Where did you, uh, you know, you talk about you were, you know, ha you were in tears when you first started, but uh, the, 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 you still had a fire lit in you. And when, when did that happen? When did it click that you really wanted to uh, take this game up and get serious about it? Yeah. So, uh, played house at Tamil, and then I think when I was like, might I tried out for the double A team, didn't make it, and I was single A player, and then they got triple A and I think squirt level, and I didn't make it the first year. And um, I remember the only reason I, I really wanted to be on that team because uh, some of my friends, uh, Ben Ossemacher, was a great friend of mine growing up. Uh, he was on that team. I just wanted to play for that team always, and then didn't make it, then made it and struggled and then every year just would be able to hang around and get in there and we got better and we weren't a very good triple a team like the little caesars and the uh compulars and they would beat us pretty good but we played against some really good teams and um going into, you know my mom driving me up to detroit every weekend I mean, it was it was busy so you had to work hard if you're gonna compete in a game at that level so it was it was fun i loved it there's nothing else i ever i was a regret and the second I, you know, my, my dad's men's leagues games, I'd go watch them to, to, you know, late at night on a Tuesday. Anytime <laughs> I could be at the rink, I was there. Like, even growing up, like, I idolized it. I, I didn't think there was anything after the Cherokee. Uh, they, that was the highest I thought there was besides college because we'd watch, like, Bowling Green and Ohio State and stuff. And, like, it was such, like, I lived in a bubble. And I thought, like, I thought of Cherokee, that was it. That was the highest junior level and then college. And uh, guys, you know, like, I remember that I would work in the pro shop, Brandon Rogers, because my brother played with his brother as well. And then, uh, but I've known Brandon, like, my whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, like, guys like John Cotton and those other old school guys. Yeah, those are those are some guys that I, I'm going to uh, try and get on the podcast here soon. But, uh, you know, when you, uh, how old were you when you started working in the pro shop? So Lou Goldstein, I tried, I tried getting a job there. I think every day when I was 15, 14, 15, he was like, you gotta be 16. Like, he's like, I will hire you. Like I was in there every day. Yeah. And, uh, so Lou, I'll never forget it. The day I turned 16, my mom's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I'll take me to the pro shop. <laughs> <laughs> there you so go. I went in, applied on my 16th birthday and he hired me and I worked there for, I don't know, two years until, uh, 
well, yeah, two years, then I went out to Grand Rapids. Holy smokes. That's great. So, uh, so tell me, what was it that, how, I mean, was there a big uh, recruiting or sales uh, pitch or anything to get you into a Cherokee uniform, or is that the route you knew you wanted to go from the get-go? Oh, well, it was, there was no recruiting, but that was the route I knew I wanted to go. But, so I went to tryouts and just signed up for tryouts because that's all I wanted to do. And if it wasn't that, I would have played. I went to Southview, so I would have played for the Cougars and, you know, the late great Mike Greeter. Um, But, so I went to tryouts and I had an okay tryout, I think, but, you know, they were jerking me one of the top, you know, junior teams in the country at that level. Mm -hmm. And so I went to tryouts and uh, after tryouts, I'll never forget this, you know, the day I die, like they brought, I was in the the office, my mother and my father were there, Bob Zion sitting there, uh, Todd Olme and then Scott Searing. And they're like, hey, and we're going to take you this year because you're a young local kid. And I'm like, uh, what? And they're like, yeah, we're going to take you just because you're a young local kid. We want you to practice and stuff. You might not play any game this year. We got a really good team. And I'm like, so I get a jersey? And they're like, yeah, but just so you know, we want to be clear. Mom and dad are listening. We want you pouting that you're not playing. And I'm like, so I'm on the team. They're like, yep. And so they took me as like, you know, the ninth defenseman. Wow. And yeah, it was crazy. And then I just had... You know, I think it's probably because I switched from number 14 to 24, probably. But uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, I like, I had a year where I'd throw it on net and go off three shin guards and I'd get the point for it. I don't know. I just, it would, it clicked. The game clicked for me that year. Great coaches, great teammates. It was phenomenal. Wow. So, um, you know, yeah. how, how many games in was it till you got to uh, skate up with your first game, play your first game? So my first game, I, we were playing uh, a junior team in Canada. It was an exhibition game crossed, you know, over the border, went and played them. And this was like a green game and they played the rookies. I scored a goal. So they, uh, then we came back at another exhibition game, scored another goal. And so I just, okay, we got to play the kid. So <laughs> played me and, um, you know, I was deep partner with like um, Rob Kerr. And like Scott Williamson, like so I had you know grown men. Like I was in a deep part, and I'm 135 pounds, huh. and just would you know, or I'd make a pass and get an assist, and it was great. Holy smokes! So, um, so instead of being a guy who was might never dress, you were a guy who uh, became an integral part of the lineup. Uh, how physical a defenseman were you back then? Uh, were you? A- <laughs> Were you? I mean, no. I well, I thought I was, but I, <laughs> I wasn't. I was just, um, I was. No, I wanted to be Bobby Orr, and that was it. And that was the thing. Like we went and we had guys that I'd get the puck to, and I'd go run up, skate up with them, and I wanted to join the play. I was always told I played defense like I was a confused forward, <laughs> and uh, so it was. I wanted to be on the offense part, and that was. I was dirty, you know. I. Uh, would stick people and try to be dirty and tough and stuff because I had guys like Brad Coon that fought for me every time. Like I'll never forget, there was a, one of the first games. I was like, all right, I wanted to fight, and 
like I got back to the bench and like Scott came down. We don't want you out there fighting. We want you out there playing, you know, power play and this and that. And Coom's like, I got you. <laughs> Coom would just be there. Anytime someone would go up, you just grab them and see you later. Oh, that's funny. So yeah. uh, now, did uh, did you get into any fights when you were in, in, in Toledo? So the one game, this is the one game that I have uh, footage of, is mm-hmm. we were playing Bell Tire, and Ference Chatlos is going down on a rush and just cuts in and just lays out the goalie. Lays out the goalie. Like, it's yeah. yard sale. The next thing you know, it's like, oh, here we go. And so I'm a junior in high school at the time, and this ha- happened to be the one game that, like, half my high school came to. And all my friends. And oh, man. So they're squaring up, and then uh, another fight goes out, and then I'm at the blue, the blue line just grappling with the guy, and then all of a sudden I hear you. <laughs> not I don't hear you, but, like, then um, on the play-by-play, of the tape I have, it's like, oh man, Jepson's gonna go with so and so, and we're going back and forth. It was my first fight ever, and uh, so the helmets come off, fighting, and oh, they're all. I think we both got some punches in, and I think we both, you know, I had a shiner, I think, afterwards, but I did pretty good. And then I get stories afterwards that I guess my mother was just up in the, the loft upstairs saying, Jonathan, put your helmet back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so. too funny. Oh my gosh! And I can picture her doing that too. Oh yeah. Oh, I can yeah. picture that. E as clear as as day. I can picture her doing that. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is too funny. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's funny because you think about back then some of the guys you guys had that were big guys, you know, that could, that could fight. You know, you, obviously guys like Kurt, Robbie Kurt, uh, you know, Brad Coom, uh, gee whiz, uh. Uh, Scott Williamson. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he wasn't a he wasn't necessarily a scrapper, but he had the size; he could play and do it yeah, if he when needed it was to. Time to scrap, you were just there. You go. You want him? He's a big bear. Yep. And you know, you had a number of guys on that team that could. Even uh, you know, I, I was thinking of uh, the man child too, who was uh, same age as you. He's just a young and uh, Bo Jack. Bo Jack. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> That guy, that guy was like, I think he reached puberty when he was like seven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he had so, a full-grown beard when he was uh, when he was sixteen. So Bo and I, yeah, and we would play. So he's from Pittsburgh, so we played for Mount Lebanon. Yep. Growing up, and I was on Team Pluto, so we'd always play against each other. And then when it would come for the select teams, we would be on you know 15, 16, 17 year select team with each other. So we were good friends coming in, mm-hmm. and then he made the team. And uh, so uh, Todd only would pair us together on D. And, I mean, the guy had the, one of the hardest shots I've ever played with. Yeah, that's what and I was going to say. He was known for that boomer of a Just sl- a cannon. And, you know, he's just – he looks like Paul Bunyan. <laughs> and uh, so, so then we're uh, – and we would always room together. And so we'd room together, and it would be us um, – us and a veteran so like the veteran would get the bed mm-hmm. and the two rookies would share a bed and so Bo being Bo would be like hey Jeppy you know I'm a cuddler <laughs> 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 not today not tonight you're not he's like oh yeah I got that it just happens oh no <laughs> Oh no! It was it was like I was like okay I'm gonna sleep on top of the sheets so 
Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was fun. And there's another good bow story. We're in the locker room, and I, I don't remember if it was before practice or a game. And all of a sudden, he goes, Jeffy, I think I, I need a nickname. I'm going to go by Diesel. And I'm like, What? He goes, Yeah, I'm going to go by Diesel. And so he's like, Everybody call me Bo Diesel. Self proclaimed nickname. Oh, boy. Yeah. Bo Diesel. Okay. Yeah. It's ah. a beauty. It, it, now, did they adhere to this? Did they call him Bo Diesel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's nuts. I just, mm. uh, uh, I don't know. I That guy, he was just, I would just thought of him as just a man child. And, yeah, I would have probably been more, uh, more, probably more apt to calling him, uh, 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 what do you call it? Daniel Boone or, you know. Paul Bunyan than I would uh, yeah. Bo Diesel, but uh, he—I yeah. mean, he wasn't the biggest guy out there either. You know, I mean, he was tough. Well, he wasn't tall. Yeah. No, he wasn't tall, but he was a tough kid, no question. Oh, he's just square. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just that. Uh, he was that uh, country strong, we call it. Yes, exactly. That's what we exactly. call his country strong. But uh, yeah. you know, it's it's funny. You know, I'm just thinking Bo Diesel. Oh man. Anyway. <laughs> But uh, now, what were some of the other goofy things that went on? Now, you probably were the subject of a lot of uh, rookie initiation, I would presume. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there was. We really had much. I mean, they would goof around and like we pick up pucks and stuff like that at the end. But it wasn't, it wasn't any of the like the quote unquote hazing or anything um, really bad. Like we had. I mean, just great leadership on that team. And I think, and it was more or less like the the 20 year olds, like the returning players, uh-huh. those guys, those guys were on a mission. Um, we got there and they're like, you know, Hey, like young buck, like all you guys, like me, like Brandon Meisner, uh, I grew up playing, he was on my team, Toledo team. There was another young one that was on the team mm-hmm. and like, Hey, you guys, this is what we're doing. And we're winning a championship and this is how you're going to act. And this is how you're going to play every single day. So, yeah. and then you had like the coaches, like enforcing it, like, you know, I was scared to death of Bob Zion. I'm like, you know, it's like a military, you know, cause he had his military background and he ran practices like that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just intense from the beginning, and there wasn't really any rookie hazing. It was like rookie, you're part of this team, and this is how you gotta act because this is what we're doing. Um, and it was awesome. It was I grew and learned so much that year. Wow. Yeah, it was that year made my hockey career. Wow. So, uh, when uh, do you remember your first goal in the regular season at all? No, I do not. I remember a couple goals, um, but the first regular season game goal, I do not. I have the puck. Mm, okay. Um, do you remember who you, I, did? It say who you scored against? Uh, I want to say it was Bell Tire. You and Bell Tire. I don't know what it is, but anyway. I know. But uh, those commercials must be Bell Tire. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, so now. You know, you got when you first went in. First of all, when you went into that first camp, uh, did you feel any kind of intimidation or nervousness going in? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I was nervous. Like I, 
one, like, I think, like, the first shift, like, somebody went and squared off and fought. <laughs> oh. I, I was playing, you know, bantam, you know, travel hockey, like, where you punch someone with a glove on, and these guys are helmets off and hitting each other in the face, and guys are big boys. So, yeah, I was like, uh, all right, I'm just going to be quiet, keep my head down, stick on the ice, not sticking anybody today. And uh, just try to let my skating do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fortunate enough; I moved mean, pretty well for for a defenseman. Yeah. Um, at that time, now I'd be really slow. <laughs> well, but, but I mean, if so. you think about it, though, Jeppy, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with other other guys from your era. Um, it's that there were a lot of good players at the junior B level because there weren't that many leagues back then. There weren't as many, uh, there weren't as many teams. So you feel a lot of good guys that could have played at a higher level, but because of uh, lack of room, they filtered down to junior B and in some instances, junior C level. I mean, there's, I mean, there was some darn good players that played with that team that, uh, could have went to could have went the junior a route i mean they they really were and i was just impressed with that that's the thing that when i first came to the cherokee back uh, the year before that uh that's what really impressed me the most was just the level of uh, skill and competition i mean it was really good yeah like what we had and even all throughout the year guys were moving in and out like we had mitch cruz and zach tortorella came to us from the chicago freeze i think in midway in the season yep um and then we had some times like i think andy lahovey went up a couple times um um the goalie uh whitman whitman wheaton Wheatman. Wheatman, like i think he went up a couple um during the year yeah because we picked um, up didn't we we picked up josh terza that's right that's right so and it was, you know, it's partial. I mean, those junior teams aren't going to send kids down to any junior B team. They just know the organization and the way that the Cherokees always ran ran things. And um, but yeah, there was really good games. Like Cleveland always had a good team. Belpire, St. Louis. Um, so it was it was good hockey, no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, um, when you played that year. Uh... Who you said uh, Bo Jack was your primary defense partner? Who who else did you play with? Uh, I basically always played with uh, Bo or Rob. And uh, how different was that between? Uh, I mean, obviously Rob's a veteran, but how different in terms of style and uh, and physicality and things like that did you have to deal with uh, in terms of with Bo versus Rob? Bo would yell at me more. Um, Bo would always, Bo wanted the puck every single time. Yeah, if I got the puck in the blue line, if I didn't give it to Bo, he'd yell at me as soon as he connected the bench. Like, there was the D to D blue line pass was always open for Bo. Mm-hmm. And um, Rob was just uh, pretty quiet, but he, uh, he's the, like, the tough enforcer. Like, anytime there was anything, Rob would have two guys and just, you know, arms spread wide, like, pushing them everyone apart and hey you don't want to touch this you don't want to touch this goalie you don't want to touch sam you don't want to touch jeff see you later and um rob you know he came up playing with the little storm and everything and great programs with them when you know he was with i think kelly miller and um back then Uh uh-huh so great hockey player great guy 
Wow. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I always remember, I mean, like I said, my, my, my memory is a little cloudy at times, but I, I always remembered him and uh, Scott Williamson playing together all the time. They did because they were like, that was their primary. And then there was a lot. It was um, Bo and I, and then Scott Bricker would be with, with uh, Hank or John Avink. Yeah, he'd be um, at Brick and Avink. Yeah, I remember that now. Now yeah. that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and I think they kept them, uh, Scotty and Robbie, because they both played for the Storm before. Uh huh. Um, and they, I don't know, they played for that Storm team for years together. Um, right. So there's a lot of good chemistry. Like, we had smart coaches, and I mean, you got Omi back there running it. Like, our, our decor kind of took on a Todd Omi identity, like, just like tough and gritty and, you know, just fun. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was. Talking to me, I would always end up. I wore an Austin 316 T-shirt underneath. Like you know, at 16 years old, Nomi and I would talk wrestling, and wow. uh, that was I wore that T-shirt underneath my equipment all the time. And uh, Omi would always be like, "Hey, let's go get him!" You know, firing everybody up, and Bricker and Avic with a finesse group, and uh, Scotty and Rob were the bruisers, and Bo and I were kind of somewhere in between. That's funny. So now uh, you talk about uh, T.O. with uh, with wrestling and everything. Uh, was, was he a big wrestling fan back then? I don't know if he was a big fan or we just always talked about Stone Cold. <laughs> That's funny. Just how he would just like, no, you know, would take no crap off anyone. Just this cocky, like tough guy come running into, this, running into the ring and tell everybody how it was and then crack open a few beers then <laughs> crack open a few beers which i couldn't do at 16 but yeah, well, that's okay you could you could at least think about it you knew you knew yeah. you knew it was coming in the future so anyway yeah, i might have had a few at time to time with some of the older guys yeah we'll, we'll leave it at that anyway <laughs> uh but uh so you know you, you guys play that season and that season you guys had a fantastic season i mean i think you lost what three games all year i mean i know towards the end there were a number of ties but i mean as far as actual losses you guys only lost three times all year and uh you guys were phenomenal and uh i mean it just was uh very methodical because i'm thinking about the guys up front that you guys had to work with too i mean Neil Price and uh, JB. I mean, those guys were. Whew. Of course, you had uh, Ference, and uh, you had, uh, you know, a number of guys that could put the puck in the net. And you had guys that were workhorses too, like Kellemeyer and and uh, Marshan and and uh, you know Coombe and Gary Thomas, who was uh you know he was uh, 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 just a just a blue collar, hardworking type of player. Uh, brought his uh, lunch pail to work every every day. So, uh, you know, you guys had a good mix. You didn't have all the same type of player. You had a good mix of the players that you had, uh, not only up front but on on the blue line too. And you know, it it just you can just by the way you described it, it pretty much tells you how much of a, a difference there was between the players. Uh, and of course, you had Wheaton in goal. You had I think was it Sammy Horton. Sammy Horton. Yep, the pride of Nina, Wisconsin. I remember that. That's uh, impressive. I I don't know why. I remember bits and pieces, and I don't. And I remember useless facts about things, like Sammy being from Nina. Uh, I I I for some reason I remember um, 
trying to think of who it was. Uh, I, you know, I, I'll remember things like uh, the the best game we played in the tournament, at least as far as I was concerned, was when we played Fairbanks. Uh, you know, and uh, that was probably the most exciting game because it went to overtime. And... I scored the goal to put it into overtime. That's right. That is, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Came you are off the half wall on the power play. Holy cow! Off offside half wall came up and just man had a lucky shot. Now, uh, you know, because everyone remembers Stummer scoring the the winner in overtime, and of course that was when uh, yeah, Kuma just. Time late in the third. Yep, that was the key. That was the key because we were down by two, weren't we? I think it was three to one early. Yeah. Yeah, it was three to one, and then we won four to three. So, but yeah, your goal put us into OT, and then Stummer did his thing. Oh my gosh, that is that is crazy to remember that because I, like I said, I remember Stummer, but I was trying to remember who else scored, and I I couldn't. I remember. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else scored in the. Uh, who else scored for us? Do you remember in that game by chance? No, no I don't. Yeah, but um, I know I know we were hurting. We had uh, the some of the guys were injured because Marshan was out, Avink was, or I think Marshan was coach uh, decision. But uh, I know Avink uh, was hurt. His he got messed up in the first game of yeah. the tournament and was done. And then uh, I know Kellemeyer was hurt. Uh, but he got better and got to play again. But still, it's just one of those. Hours always hurt. Yeah, true. Of course, when when you're five <laughs> well, foot. I mean, when he plays, like, I mean, talk about a kid that is just the biggest little ball of hate ever playing <laughs> against. True. Like, yeah. Just but, and he'll tell you that. He'll tell you that himself. But that's oh, why yeah. that's why we love Kel because he's a he's a I piece absolutely. of work. He is a piece of work. But uh, now, uh, who back then, if you can remember? I would think Bell Tire would have been your favorite team to play against, but who is the team that you like got your dander up for and you didn't like very well? Um, Bell Tire, I, I like because we just go up there and play in the Fraser Rinks, and they had this defenseman that we called Blueberry, and he was just fat, fat, like just a load. But he and, could play. That was the thing. Yes, that was the thing. And he would just score. And he would go and like go coast to coast. And they're like, what is going on here? And I would get so frustrated and be like, I'm going around. I'm flying this guy. And I'm going to go around him. And Did, Didn't I they call him like, Booberry, though, after the cereal? Might have been. Yeah. I just know we always called him Blueberry. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it's funny because... Uh, that kid, because I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking. I think it was, uh, there's somebody else I just recently I was talking with about the podcast and they're like, it made them so mad because they're like, it, it questioned, I think it was Paul Bowes who he's like, I couldn't, he goes, I couldn't stop this kid. And that, and he played, he had great hands. He goes, and he would score and he goes, and I hated him for that. You know, I hated him. And, and I was like, Hey, you know. It's if you can do it, you can do it, you know, regardless of what size he was, he, he was a, he was a big chunk of love, but I think that's part of the reason why I kind of felt sorry for him because I, I looked at myself and said, I can relate not, not with, <laughs> not with the hands, but you know, it's like still, you know, it's like when I step on a scale, a card comes out and says, Hey, one at a time, but you know, it's, 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 yeah, I understand that. But uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I liked playing against them. Uh, I liked playing against Metro Jets because that was a more up and down game. Mm-hmm. Um, they would always play us well, um, 
and a couple of buddies. I had a buddy on that team, Matt York, who ended up playing at Ferris State in the minors for a while. And then uh, and I liked playing against Cleveland a lot because uh, there was just always that kind of in-state rivalry. And there was a kid, uh, I remember Rufo on that team. Oh, yeah, A.J. Rufo. That, uh, he scored a goal. <laughs> he beat us and scored a goal on a penalty shot or a shootout. I don't think there was shootouts then, so it must have been a penalty shot. Gets or game winner gets the puck, skates by Syrian and goes and tosses in the puck. So there you go. Because I think because I don't know if he played for the Cherokee before or um or if he got cut, tried out. There, there's some backstory there. Yeah, but they. It's what's funny is he ended up uh, coming and being a coach. I think. Really. Yeah. Later on. Later. Uh. Yeah. That's I think, amazing. Yeah. Him. AJ. Because uh, Jimmy Rufo, his dad owned the Cleveland franchise and then ended okay. up, ended up becoming a CSHL commissioner for a long time. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that there's that stuff. Uh, but yeah, AJ, I don't remember if, I don't know if he played for us. I think he may have made gotten cut, but he was a, an assistant coach with us for a while. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So there was just always like great battles with those teams. And, but there was, <laughs> We knew going into the game, uh-huh. like we we were up three nothing before the game started. Like we knew we were that good, and like you talked about the forwards that we had, and like I tell the kids now that I coach, and I was like, our best defense is our offense. Like they made the game easy for us defensemen. Like give me a puck, and they're gonna go and have an Andy Holy great hands. Like, oh yeah, unbelievable down like summer. Like wow, like like great players they just we played offense most of the game and maneuver defense it wasn't we weren't playing defense for long mm-hmm. so it, it made the game easy for us guys in the back and it was awesome like you know so it was and those guys they they carried our team and, you know we, we were putting up 10 12 goals a game you know there were yeah i was gonna say you guys were quite quite the goal scorers back then um, i think at one point in the, like the top 10 goal scorers in the league i think we had eight of them oh gosh <laughs> and i was i think at one point i was four and like as a defenseman it was ridiculous i was gonna say that is ridiculous i mean a lot, of, a lot of third assists oh of course that's unfortunately they only count two but yeah no i understand that though i understand what you're saying Cause uh, that's, I mean, you like I said, you guys were like a machine back then. You guys were rolling. Um, now, when you get to the uh, when you get to the playoffs, the Gold Cup, uh, did anything change for you as far as uh, what you did, uh, as far as uh, the way you guys prepared to go into that that tournament? Because you know, you obviously. Uh, I mean, Nationals is the ultimate goal, but I mean, still, uh, Gold Cup is still a pretty exciting uh, tournament in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was I was nervous because I didn't know what to expect. I've never played in anything like that. Um, I never even played in a playoff before. Like I played in tournaments, but in Toledo, we were always one of the you know bottom teams in the Michigan National Hockey League. So I'd never played in a big playoffs were going in like, we were expected to be the shooting and didn't happen <laughs> i didn't play very well um during that so it was it was an eye-opener it was you know this is playoff hockey this is what the you know this is the big boys game yep 
Now, I mean, that had to be quite the white knuckling uh, feeling going into that. But uh, I mean, now with the with the benefit of time, uh, one of probably one of the most exhilarating times in in your life, I would think, as far as uh, on the ice goes. You know, that had to be pretty yeah. pretty wild. Um, now, when you played, uh, when you guys went out to California. Tell me what that experience was like with uh, not before the tournament started, the the reception. I understand you guys got there late and they were already talking about other teams that were going to be winning the cup. And uh, Yeah, it was it was good. It was great because uh, it was just my dad and I that went out. Mm-hmm. And so we hadn't, you know, because he coached my brother a lot and uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of time, like just us going out, you know, to hockey together and, you know, other games, we drove ourselves. So I would ride with usually Andy Lahovi or someone else to the game. Mm-hmm. And so my dad, we went out there, flew out there and the flight, I, I remember the flight being out there. Like it was obviously before 9-11 and everything. And we're, it was a free for all in the airplane inside the plane. Like we're playing cards in the, in the aisle and guys running around, goofing around. Wow. Um, just being goofballs. And so then we get there and we were late, I think to the reception mm-hmm. and we all had these, that year we had these barn jackets for team jackets. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't like the, the warm up. It was like the classy, like, barn jacket like that that was the style back then yeah and so we got there late and so we come walking in and like just just pumped up and like here we go like we're here and then they went and they did the, the talk about everybody and they didn't talk about us wow and i think when they even talked about our league i think they talked about metro huh. and and it was weird like and it was just like what is going on like just no respect and yeah, so we were we weren't expecting like no one else thought we were going to do well up there apparently, and it was going to be Alaska or Flagstaff, um, or you know Soulfolk. I don't. But yeah, it was we were like, wow, these guys don't respect us. Here we go, like time to show them what we got. That's and, funny. I mean, yeah. that's I yay. You know, I mean. Flagstaff had been there the year before when they had the Nationals in uh, at Tamil Shanner, and I was not that impressed. I figured they were a good team, but it's like they were playing in a league that essentially it was just not a very top to bottom, a very good league um, as far as quality of player. And so I just was like, you know, okay, well, it's Flagstaff, but they turned out to be not too bad. They were actually pretty good. Um, Alaska was a powerhouse. That was the team I was the most worried about. Suffolk, I wasn't as worried about. Uh, but, uh, they, they just had a, they had a good pool to, uh, cruise through to get to the finals. But, uh, but Alaska, man, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was a, they were a beast back then. And, uh, they ended up going to the NAHL, which is where I think they are to this day. Um, if they're still around, yeah. but, um, yeah, my buddy, uh, uh, one of my college teammates, uh, Trevor Stewart's the coach of them. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I just remember their, their play-by-play announcer. Uh, he had to borrow my headset because he broke his. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. then we played – the other one was uh, Minnesota Owls. Was and it? those guys were the – I think 
you wouldn't think the goons would have been able to make it to the national championship. But they had these guys, and this one guy, I think number 22, I'll never forget it. He painted, like, black around his eyes like an owl. And oh, would just he dump the puck and just scream like he's coming in at you. Like, scream like a maniac. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, it was wild, but I guess, you know, when we have the skilled forwards and we got those guys that they can't, you know, goon hockey doesn't work at that level. Apparently not. Uh, but um, so you guys, uh, you guys go in there and you have, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't easy. You guys had injuries. You guys fought hard uh, and but were able to get through and then uh, you beat Fairbanks. And then uh, I think what was next? Uh, was that the semi or was that? No, that was the last. Uh, that was the second or was that the third to last game? I can't remember. Was that, it was either the semis or it was to get into the semis. I think it wasn't it to get into the semis. And then it was Flagstaff. Yeah. After that. Uh huh. And then and then uh, Suffolk in the championship game. Yeah. 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 So oh man, that like I said, we had a we had a tough draw, but man. Yeah, the championship game was really like the easiest game. Yes. Yes, it was. That was. I mean, my gosh. I'm trying to think who was the first team they played. Was it? It wasn't the Minnesota Northern Lights, was it? Or was it the Owls? My, my, I think it was the Owls. Okay, and then um, anyway, uh, it's still it was just it was a tough draw. That's all I remember. It was a tough draw, and then uh, and then then, the, then then came Suffolk, and it was like it was funny. I felt bad because it was like that was the easiest game that we had. And uh, all, I, all I remember is it was just everything was a blur at the end because um, everybody went nuts when uh, when uh, the team won. And I mean, that had to be pretty wild in that locker room because <clears throat> it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And, you know, the guys, even the guys that were uh not playing uh-huh you know, i don't i don't like out of that like the 20 year olds that didn't play that game gary i don't think uh, no gary didn't Dietch, play dietchen didn't play no. uh avink didn't play marshawn um, didn't play marshawn didn't play you know it was just and they were going just as wild as ever you know well um, that's because they they were also during the season were still uh part of the reason that that team got to where it got absolutely oh yeah we wouldn't have been there we had all the guys like every single one we wouldn't have been anywhere without it was a full 25 guys that were in and out of the lineup doing great things all year we were a tight tight group uh once we got to the rink Mm -hmm. um away from the rink we went a lot of different ways there was you know there was more pennsylvania guys and andy Thiessen was over in that one like that would be in their group because they lived on one part of town. Then there was the apartment crew, which is the returning guys. Oh, that yeah. Lived together. And That's... then there was us young guys. Like, I was in high school. And, you know, I'd hang out outside of the rink. I'd hang out when my mother would cook the guys dinner once a week. I was going to say, talk about that because the guys would come over to your house and because uh, your mom was uh, would cook. And to this day, I think Kellemeyer and uh, I can't remember who else were they were like when uh, they're like, if you talk next time you run into Mrs. Jepson, you tell her I said hi and I want her to make pineapple chicken. <laughs> yeah, 
that was the winner always. It was, uh, so Kellemeyer, all the guys who lived in the apartment, it was Kellemeyer, Kellemeyer, Deichen, Avick, Gary, and Coon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom would be like, oh, those guys live in an apartment? I was like, yeah. They're like, well, they don't eat any home-cooked meals. I'm sure they're not cooking. I'm like, all right. And she's like, invite them over. Let's, let's, let's eat. So I was like, every Tuesday. They, and my dad did a lot of cooking, too. But my mom had this uh, pineapple chicken, Hawaiian chicken. Uh-huh. And it was a showstopper. And it was so fun because you get these guys together. And, you know, they're the greatest guys in the world, but they're absolute clowns. Yeah. And so my mother is uh, a <laughs> good story. And she might kill me, but whatever. Uh, so we'd be sitting at the, you know, we always ate at the dinner table. And my dad and my mom would be up on the counter as well. And my brother would be there and uh, my sister would be there as well. And, uh, but these guys would get my mom laughing so hard. She wet her pants. Oh my god! <laughs> and she wouldn't be able to get up, and she'd be crying. She'd be crying. She's like, "Guys, gotta leave. I need to talk. I gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> Daichi and Kellemeyer would get going, and it would just be like those two going back and forth, and it'd be just tears and laughs and just nonstop. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. I. So try to get my mom. I think she's gonna end up billing in a kid sometime. I try to get her to. Oh, but that's that's the. She loves it. Yep, I was gonna say. Well, I mean, obviously, being around that culture for as long as she was, you know, between your, your her husband and then you kids, uh, yep. I mean that that's not something you easily just forget. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Now, um, now, did you guys just basically just hang out for dinner? Or was back then it was cool to find a show that you liked to watch, like Friends. Or uh, uh, what was the other show that was popular back then? Uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. They would you would uh, they would pick a show, and uh, that would be the show that everyone got together and would watch uh, for for a night. And every like the like players would get together and things like that of other teams that I remember, like uh, some friends of mine that were uh, high school uh, basketball players, their kids their high school team would get together every, whatever the night it was and would watch friends or Seinfeld or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, we would, um, when I played in the North American league, I in Grand Rapids, we did Wednesday night, um, nine Oh two one Oh, but back when I was with you guys, these guys would come over, clown around and we would, we wouldn't even watch TV. It would just be goofing around in the kitchen and just laughs. And then eight, eight, 8.30 would come, would come around and they would leave, um, go back to the apartment and clean up and go to bed. The other nights, you know, I was doing homework. I was in, I was in high school. <laughs> so I wasn't really, I never really hung out um, much with, with the guys um, like during the week ever. And then mm-hmm. on the weekends, you know, I, just, I had to do a curfew. My old man gave me the backhand. Oh, yeah. Now, did you guys have, uh, now, were you able to do anything when you were out on the road? Oh, it was, I mean, the road was um, another story. But, like, we didn't have that many overnighters. We'd mm-hmm. go to St. Louis. Um, and I think sometimes Cleveland might have been an overnighter. But yeah. just, you know, doing leaners on guys' doors and uh, throwing a bucket up with water, knocking on the door so the room gets soaked and, 
uh, you know, messing up rooms and just clowning on everybody was fun. Um, other than that, it wasn't, you know, someone's in the shower, fill it up with ice cold bucket and throw it on them. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, those were the good ones. Um, I don't know why we, I don't know why we loved leaners on their, their front door so much, but That's... for some reason that happened. Yeah, that was that was the thing back then was the leaners. Every, I mean, most yeah. of the most of the kids I talked to, I mean, for about the there was like a good ten year stretch there where leaners yeah. were like the most popular thing to do. Yeah, and then you know when we did go over team meals, um, granted, like junior A was more always team meals, but we had some where we do team meals and then we do you know shoot shack guys. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Someone's gonna crawl under the table and put some spaghetti on someone's shoe and see how see how everybody reacts and some people get mad, some people laugh. Did you so, uh, did you ever get shoe checked? No, I was. I don't know why, and I don't know if I just was just always observant or would always watch my shoes or generally. You know who the guys are that that do it because there's only so many guys that can sneak underneath the table. Like Brandon Meisner, who was a, you know, he grew up doing gymnastics uh -huh. and small. So I think he wormed through everybody's feet and no one would ever know. And he grew up, I mean, we were on the same youth hockey team for 10 years. So he knew not to get me. Oh, man. So you lucked out pretty good then. That's not too bad. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So, so you played, you win a national championship. Um, what was it like when you went to Grand Rapids? What, how did you end up in Grand Rapids? Did they draft you or? Yeah, so I don't know if there were tenders back then or drafts. I was working at the pro shop and my mother calls me and was like, John, I just got a call from this Tom Rugrut and he's the coach in Grand Rapids and he says he drafted you. It's in the North American Hockey League. And I was like, all right. I don't even know what the North American Hockey League is. Um, <laughs> but I had a little bit, like, actually then, like, when I talked to my dad, he's like, oh, that's the league that Kelly plays in. Because my dad and Sappy were great friends. Like, grew up, you know, and uh, Kelly and I grew up together, and Kenny Ray. And so we were like, we were basically, we'd call each other cousins. Like, what's up, cousin? And Kelly was playing in Chicago at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh... So going to Grand Rapids, and I went, and I think there's a handful of guys that ended up going and started on the team. Andy Lahobi started there. Marchant started there for a bit. Uh, Bo was there for a bit. Um, and then some other things happened where they left and went other places, but I was able to stick around there for two years. It was good. It was so wild times. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so... Um... So you play in Grand Rapids. Uh, when did you make the decision in, uh, about college? Uh, obviously, that had to play a big deal for you. That had to be a pretty big deal for you. Yeah, so I, my second year in Grand Rapids, uh, I was 19 years old. I had offers to go to UConn. I could have went to UConn then. And I turned them down because I always wanted to go CCHA. Like growing up, we're you know in Toledo. I didn't think there was any hockey, college hockey outside the CCHA. Yeah. And um, 
so that's what I wanted to play. I wanted to go to Ohio State or Michigan State. I remember going to camp in Mun Arena, and I was like, that's where I want to play. And so I turned down Connecticut after my second year, and then I went and I played for the Chicago Freeze for my third year and was having a phenomenal year. I was leading the league in points for defense at one point, and then I blew out my shoulder. Oh. And that yeah, was St. Patty's Day. My father was at the game. Um, we were in a green St. Patty's Day jersey, and Dan McNam checks me from behind and pops my shoulder and broke my clavicle and AC joint. Oh, so I was I I was out five weeks and came back and just wasn't the same player for for about a month. And you know, all the big schools, you know, the CCHA schools are like, oh, you're a hundred and 60-pound defenseman with a bad wing and playing like you're 130 pounds. So, yeah, we'll see you later. So, but I still had a couple Division One offers and um, decided to go to UConn over Quinnipiac, Mercer, a couple other schools just because it sounded cooler to tell my friends back home that I went to UConn instead of yeah, those schools. That's true. <laughs> I understand that. That's all right. So what was it like when you walked on that campus? I mean, was it love at first sight or did you, did it take an adjustment period? Um, it was awesome. I, when I went on my recruiting visit, they flew me out from Chicago and it was, they played a game against Quinnipiac then. And, um, it was just awesome. Like the campus is small. Uh-huh. But it's it's very compact and it's like your own little isolated village, huh. and it's um, there's not much else in stores. Now there is. It's they built it up like unbelievable, and it's obviously it's a basketball school. Yeah. But you go there, they take you around the basketball. You know, I met Jim Calhoun, and I was like, oh my lord, like you know, guys on the team, Ray Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton unbelievable basketball players and then you go to the rink that's right next door and it was awesome i loved it and it was nice being a i ended up being a 21 year old freshman because playing junior so yeah. i didn't have to live in the dorms was able to get an apartment off campus and it was great it was good now you also you know you, you didn't mention uh the women's basketball team which is like legendary i mean gina oriema and uh he had guy, girls like Diana Taurasi and, you know, just uh, that had to be a pretty cool thing. Also, the fact that one of the absolute top teams in the in the nation uh, playing right there next door to you. So my mother is a diehard, you know, UConn women's basketball. When, as soon as I got there, uh-huh. she probably knew more about the women's basketball team than she did about the, the men's hockey team. And... So you're just her son, you know, yeah, I'm her reason to root for them. And, um, so the Yukon athletic community is very tight. Yep. And so we hang out together and my mom was, she called Diana Tiramisu. Hey, what's going on with Tiramisu? What's going on with Tiramisu? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Tarasi, Tiramisu. No, no, Tiramisu. So I, you know, I thought like Sue Bird was, you know, hanging out with us and every and all like very close. So yeah. my mom would autograph picture of the team and everybody signed it and looked to Miss Jepson and 
she loved it. I think it's still hanging in the basement. Wow. Yeah. So uh, uh, now, did the girls come over and see you guys play a lot, or they would, they would, because and the track team would come over all the time because they love the checking, they love the fast pace of it, and they were the rowdiest fans um, that would come because everyone else's parents and stuff, but they would go crazy. It's, so it's, it was fun. Like it was a very tight athletic community. Like we do. All the freshmen, they have freshman orientation night, uh-huh. like in the athletic community. And basically, they close off, I don't know if they still do this or not, but they close off Gamble, that's a basketball facility, and uh-huh. all the freshmen have to go in front of all these other teams and do a skit. Oh, Lord. So a hockey team does a skit, so and so does a skit, every team does a skit, and then you get like rated. And there's coaches that go and sign up, and they're like judges. Oh boy. It's unbelievable. So like, yeah, we all dressed up as cheerleaders and did some dance routine. It was it was goofy. Good Is there video of this still anywhere? No, God no. <laughs> this is a good thing. I don't think there was video on phones back then. Which oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> but uh, so uh, now, how long did you uh, did you go all four years of, at UConn? No, I actually, um, I didn't have the best run in with, uh, the coach. I was a little arrogant, you know, with mine, like I said, I, I played defense, like I was confused forward and then my <laughs> freshman year, the second I got there, you know, it was like, pass the puck up and stay back. I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, pass the puck up, stay back. I'm like, no, like, that's not the guy you draft. They're not the guy you, you recruited. Like, that's not how I can play the game. And so I was in and out of the lineup the whole the whole freshman year. I think I played 16 games. And then, so second year, stayed there. I was like, all right, I'll play his way. I stayed there, uh, trained all summer long, got in great shape, and played, I think, every almost every game. And started at Madison Square Garden after 9-11. We did a Heroes Cup and started that game. It was, un- like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a really good year. It wasn't a very fun year because I wasn't playing the game, the style of hockey that I always played. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the season, we do our player-coach you know, exit interviews. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, I think you get a spot on the team next year. But we got a big class coming in, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm like, what? I just changed wow. everything I had for you and giving me that. And I was like, I'm done. Went back, got in the car, called my old man. Like, I'm never playing hockey again. Wow. So, yeah. So, but... then, I, then I ended up playing again eight years, like six years later. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. So now, you know, the thing is, though, is that you can't get that game out of your blood no matter how hard you try. <clears throat> so you end up not only being a rink rat, you actually started to uh, work and manage at rinks, uh, you know, for a long time. And uh, so let's get you into uh, what you're up to these days as far as uh after you after you left UConn and and where you went and where you're at now. Yeah, so there's kind of a crazy story. Um, so I stayed in UConn for the four years undergrad, and I stayed and got my master's. 
Um, so two more years. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. The guy that owned the team in Chicago um, called me up out of the blue and was like, hey, we just bought a rink and or we just took over a management of a rink in Fort Worth, Texas. You want to come be the hockey director? I was like, Jim, I just got my master's degree. I'll be the general manager and hockey director. Like, come on down and let's talk. So put me down to Texas and worked out, ended up staying there. And so I'm running this rink, and it's the worst rink you've ever been in in your life. It's like a, it was a, the old, it was a bowling alley, like, you know, Imperial Lane, on, that was on Central Ave. Like, yeah. That was it. Like, that low roof, and it was a, the Zamboni was on an extension cord. There used uh, to be one in Plymouth, not not where like uh, not where the uh, where the uh, OHL team plays, but there used to be a rink that they had that was a converted bowling alley. And I remember because the Michigan Ice Dogs, who used to be in the CSHL, uh, played in that rink, and it had a really low ceiling, and it was a converted bowling alley. That's why. Yeah, it was unbelievable, and it was the worst rink you ever could imagine and uh that lasted for i think six months and then i closed it down i'm like wow i really suck at this job and so i was really deflated i was like wow i, I don't know if i'm cut out for this and then they're like oh we got a rink in lafayette louisiana oh, and Lord. i was like lafayette louisiana hockey <laughs> And like, yeah, come on out there, run to, you know, take over this rink and do this. Like, Louisiana right. ice skaters, buddy. They used to play in the ECHL. Well, so then it goes, you might not know this about me. So running that rink for three years, sold that rink, and then, you know, built a, built a club hockey program for the University of Lafayette. Uh-huh. Um, and built a Raging Cajun Duke Hockey Association. It was doing great. Then we sold the rink. And my father had just passed away while I was down there. Uh-huh. And so then after that, I was still down there. I was working at the rink and didn't really know what I was going to do. But then after you know, my dad died, there was just kind of like this emptiness, of course. But then I still I started to get the itch to play again. Mm-hmm. And so, ever since I quit playing, like my relationship with my dad was always phenomenal. He's my best friend and everything, but we yeah. never really talked hockey as much anymore. And so there was just, for some reason, I got this itch to start playing. So I'd wake up at four in the morning and I went and started training. And then the ice skaters were down there and they had an open tryout. Uh-huh. And so, so I went and just, you know, I, I go to the equipment manager. I'm like, Hey, I don't have any shoulder pads anymore. So <laughs> could I borrow some shoulder pads for tryouts? And the guy's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have shoulder pads. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he's like, all right. And so I put them on and their, their shoulder pads were like football things. And oh, so I'm starting cutting them up. And so I go to tryouts and the first game. It was the first checking game I'd played in in six years. And I was a fish out of water. Second game got a little better. Third game got a little better. I made it to the All-Star game. And then like, all right, go come to main camp. I'm like, really? Main camp? Like, all right. And I was packing my stuff up. I was coming home if, if I didn't make this team because I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh-huh. And so same thing. 
just kept fitting more in the groove, more in the groove, and better and better, and then uh, ended up making the team. Holy so, smokes. Yeah, so played, we were in Southern Professional League, um, mm-hmm. played on that team for um, for a while, ended up becoming assistant captain, and it was, the guys on the team, it was funny, because I was starting to, really starting to catch myself, and like, feel good, and be like, oh, there's the next Disney movie, the next Disney movie, John oh, the Jackson, rookie. here we go, 30-year-old rookie, I was, th- I think, 29 years old, and they're like, 30-year-old rookie, there you go, Great. and all these other guys are right out of college, and... So it was fun. Great guys, great, you know, people. And it was fun. Like, there's actually a great clip. We were on Good Morning America because of, uh, we were playing down in Pensacola, Florida, and our coach was Brent Sapersha, who was a former uh, Toledo Storm. Yep. And uh, so Zach was, he was a GM of our team, and he was coaching that game. And we were getting just home or unbelievable and we were playing down in Pensacola. And uh, we're losing the game and sack, you know, Sapersha's going, you know, firing up at the refs. And the, uh, there's a fight. Brett Manning gets in a fight right in front of the bench. And Sapersha goes to the ref. He goes, if we get the extra here, every single thing from this bench is going on the ice. Oh, and man. sure enough, look up on the scoreboard and it's ice skaters two minutes and there goes the cooler. There goes the sticks. And so I'm standing on the bench. I was the next one to go out. And all of a sudden he comes down. I was like, give me those, give me those sticks. And he comes passing by me. So I turn my back and you see Jepson number 49. Um, and so my friends are calling like, cause it was on like sports center, not top 10 and everything. They're like, are you playing hockey again? Cause I didn't really tell anybody. Yeah. Like, are you playing hockey? Cause I think I just saw Jepson on the sports center, not top 10. And I was like, yep. I am. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is funny. So yeah, and I was number 49 because that was the year my father was born. Mm-hmm. So I just switched the number to that. That's awesome. Uh, now, when when you finished playing there, did you feel like you got your, your, your fix in? Like, you know, I got, I got what I wanted out of this. I did. I scored, um, <clears throat> scored a professional goal, got in a fight. Um, left the puck at my father's grave. Um, and then there's an opportunity to take over Rink in Flint, Michigan, and which is only an hour and 20 minutes away from Toledo. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't lived that close to Toledo uh, since, I was in, since I played for the Cherokee. Uh-huh. And so that was my chance to get back. So got back, you know, took over the Rink in, in Flint. Then after that, the Flint Generals were there, and right after they left, the North American Hockey League team came in, so they asked me to start coaching them, so I started coaching the North American League, and I coached there with, you know, Mo Mantha was the head coach, with the chance to coach under him, you know, he's with the Philadelphia Flyers, long-time NHL career, and coached in AHL for years. Um, what a mentor. So I just learned how to coach then, just, I love it. Wow. It was great. So what brought you back to the East Coast? So I was moving all around because I was with this management company. And so the opportunity came to come to, and I actually went back to Connecticut, um, to get away from them because I would take over a rink and every three or four years I'd move. So I was like, I'm, I'm just tired of moving. So Bob Crawford gives me a call 
And he's like, I got a rink in Simsbury, Connecticut. I would like you to come be the G- GM of and run it. I don't want you to coach. I want you to run it. I don't want any of you to stress you out too much. I was like, wow, I get to go work for Bob Crawford, like one of the famous hockey families there is. Yeah. So I go out there, and it was it was a rough go. Bob's a great hockey guy. Business was tough working for him. Um, so then the opportunity came. Um, I was with in Simsbury, Connecticut, for about seven months, and skating club of boston which is predominantly figure skating which is a figure skating club mm-hmm. um called and they're building they're like well we want to build a new facility we've been working on this plan for 20 years and like you come be the you know the club director and help us work and build this new facility for us in boston I'm like all right well let's see and, Came up, had a cup of coffee and lunch with him, and I was like, wow, I could definitely work here. And just got done, opened a new $70 million facility in this past September, which is a great time to open a new three-sheet facility in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But but it's been good. So that's awesome, man. So uh, now, uh, how often do you get back to Toledo at all? So... We still have the cottage in Michigan, so I would always go back every Memorial Day, and then I'd come back for Christmas. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, I haven't gone back. I haven't been back in over a year, so it's it's tough because my mom's there, my brother's still in Toledo, my sister's in Columbus with her two kids. So uh, I will be back as soon as you know things hopefully keep getting better. Oh, that's a good thing. So, well, yeah. man, it seems like it was only 10 minutes ago we started this. <laughs> My gosh. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Always. Well, Jeffy, let me uh, ask you or uh, ask uh, one last question here. And that is, um, if you had anything you would want to say to Cherokee Nation, because, I mean, we got folks from different eras that listen to this thing, but also, you know, some, uh, some of the players do. And so I would say, what would you say to them now, uh, having the, the viewpoint of the perspective of being, you know, an, a guy who played, who went through everything. You got to play college. You got to play junior A. Uh, you got to play professionally. Uh, you did a little bit of everything. So what would you, if you were to talk to these kids now, or even your 16-year-old self, what would you tell them? Well, I would tell them that the one thing you can always control is how hard you work. And I was never the kid that had the talent. My brother had 10 times the talent that I had. I was just always a kid that I was going to be the hardest worker out there. And I was going to be the first kid on the ice and the last kid off the ice. And you never know what opportunities can come. I never thought about uh, what teams or what teams or schools or anybody's calling or talking to me. I just focused on what I was doing at the moment and everything else took care of it. And it was, it it all worked out and it just worked out just hard work. Can't put it any better than that, man. 
So, uh, well, I tell you what, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, we will keep in touch. Well, be, just because it's you, uh, but also because uh, I, we're going to, when all this stuff with uh, clears up and things get back to somewhat normal, uh, we're going to do a reunion and we're going to do where uh, different eras, doesn't matter, all going to come back and uh, we're going to, we'll probably have an alumni game, but I mean, for me, especially with the older guys, it's like, I'm more interested uh, in, yeah, having older guys play older guys maybe, but just sitting in the stands watching a Cherokee game or having a couple pops and telling some tales and having a few laughs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like uh, Andy Lahovey, I still, I hang out with Andy quite a bit. We play men's league here and there. He's up here in Boston. We talk about driving back. Um, we're in. Then that's what I wanted to hear. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Well, brother, you know I love you to pieces, and uh, I really appreciate yeah. it. And Mick, I love you, and just want to say, uh, you know, what a great inspiration you are to all of us and everything and we couldn't be happier for you and we keep cheering and praying for it like you are an inspiration and i thank you well thank you and that, that you're gonna make me cry stop it um <laughs> so uh i appreciate it uh and again uh, this guy number 24 in the program but definitely number one in your heart john jepson thank you well, it's going to do it here for episode 45 here of the Cherokee Rewind. We thank John Jepson. And by the way, if you guys got, uh, those of you listening, if you've got a player that you know, because I don't, I don't have everybody's email or, or uh, social media account or anything. So if you know guys that would love to do this uh, or that, would, uh, that you would love to ha- see on here, get a hold of me. You know how to do that on social media. Uh, just drop a line, let me know, t- uh, tweet me, whatever. Uh, you can uh, let me know and give me the information and I will do my due diligence to get a hold of uh, some of the guys from the past that you want me to have on here. Guys like John Jepson. Uh, of course, now I'm going to have to turn around and find Jeff and get him on here because he was uh, he was the little whiz kid that could. So, uh, you know, that's we'll have to do that, too. But anyway, don't forget, you just subscribe with whatever uh, uh, podcast service you use, whether it's iHeart. Uh, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, Amazon podcast, you can use them all. So just uh, whenever you want to have a hear of a new episode dropping, because we drop them every Wednesday and Saturday, uh, you just go ahead and subscribe and they'll let you know when the new new edition comes out. So for my good friend here, Mr. John Jepson, I am Mick. We will talk to you later and say thank you very much because you've been listening to the Cherokee Rewind.